0: you to find that. We're going to look at uh, 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13. I'm going to ask you to stand when you find that in God's honor as I read the Scripture aloud. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate, trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Tonight, Father, as we look at your truth, just speak to our hearts, Father. What a wonderful truth, Father, to have those among us who are called to to love you and live for you to be an example, Father, to minister to your people. I just pray a blessing on Thomas and Rachel. Father, on our deacons, Father, that uh, you may bless their families and give them courage and strength, and just a close walk with you, God. Because no matter what programs we do, what matters most is you in our lives. Because it's about you. So, Father, just speak to our hearts tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a story about a very pious deacon that ended up going into a class of third graders to be a substitute teacher. And now he was talking to these third graders, he said, he said, the office of deacon is a very reverent position. And he said, for example, he said, Why do you think, boys, that a person would call me a Christian? One little boy looked at him and he said, Maybe because they don't know you? <laughs> there is a reverence involved. But it is not a reverence that lifts a leader above the people. But it's rather a reverence that comes because the people see that he's genuine and that he loves Christ. And we're going to look as we go through here. uh, The word deacon is used 101 times in the New Testament. Five of those times it refers specifically to the office of deacon. But the word just means servant. And it describes a person who has a servant's heart. Remember what Jesus said. He said, whoever wants to be the greatest among you must be the very least and the servant of all. What God honors is a person who isn't always looking inward, but as he looks upward, is able to look outward. And to see people's needs and to reach out to those people and love those people. Matter of fact, in the early church, before there was this office of deacon, God was moving in great ways among The people and they saw one another's needs and they met one another's needs and we read about that in Acts chapter four. Turn uh, to me there, with me there for just a moment. I want to point out this text and um, talks about how how God moved among them and many of you are familiar with this wonderful text. And starting at verse thirty two, it talks about how they were in one heart, all the believers, and in one mind and and. They shared their possessions openly with one another. And and it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was given upon them all. Look at this next verse. Very interesting. Verse 34, he says, There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time those who owned lands or houses and sold them brought the money from the sales and put the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. How amazing is that? There was a time where the people were so in tune with each other and they wanted to love the Lord that they were loving each other and they were ministering to each other and they were serving one another with a kind of love that looked upward and it led them outward instead of just merely looking inward. But that didn't last. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6 we see that there was a complaint. It dealt with the Grecian widows and the hebraic widows and um that they were being overlooked and um it was causing a problem and so the apostles said you know uh, verse 3 of chapter 6 in acts he says brothers choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it says, this proposal pleased the whole group. And then it names who they chose. Looking for people who had a walk with Christ. And And it doesn't specifically here in Acts 6 refer to this as the office of deacon. But the word serve is used twice. That is a derivative of that word from which we get the office of deacon. To be a servant. That they served. They waited on tables. They they were people with a servant's heart. Now, with that in mind, we come back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And first, you should have noticed, they must be individuals of integrity. Look there at verse 80. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect. And the point here is... Uh, Simply, as you, as you look in the first part of chapter three, here as it talks about overseers, and those church leaders that, that were considered as pastors, um, taught, says there to be people of respect, and in the same way, a deacon must be a person of respect. People see his life and and they respect him. He's 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 the he's the real deal, um, and God. Works. Notice second, he is sincere is the next word that is used. And the word literally means does not have divided words. uh, Does not speak out of both sides of his mouth. You can trust what he says. And he's a person who's very careful in the words that are used and very sensitive to people so that words are not misunderstood. You know, so often... Uh, where there's trouble in a church, there's a misunderstanding, and words are spread, and there's all kinds of trouble. It's just but a deacon, he, his, his words, he seeks for the truth, and he speaks the truth, and he's very careful and wise in what he says. He's, he's straightforward as he's out talking to the different people who are in the church, and he's serving them. He watches his words in his very life as a life that's sincere, a life that can be trusted. Uh, in the Greek, the word sincere actually comes uh, from the words that mean without wax. And what happened, there were these porcelain dealers who would sell these vases. And often the vases would be cracked and they would cover them with wax in order to uh, you know, try to get by given some vases that weren't uh, in the condition that they were trying to sell them. But So what they would do is they would look up when you're trying to buy these vases and they would show it against the sunlight to see... They could see any wax or any cracks. So the picture here is a life without cracks, uh, a life that's genuine, that's as it claims to be. Uh, next, says not indulging in much wine. And of course, in that culture, uh, with trouble with the water, wine was a com- commonly used with meals. It was a common beverage because uh, it was so difficult often to drink the water. And so the picture here is, hey, be sure you don't get too much of that wine. Be sure that it's used just to drink with your meals and not something that is indulged in that causes you to lose your judgment, that causes you to become um, drunk or controlled by something besides the Spirit of God. Uh, that That is critical um, in following. And then notice he says, not pursuing... Dishonest gain. See a person that's trustworthy in business dealings. Because that's so important. That person can be trusted in the way they handle their finances. And that they're a generous person to those who are in need. And that was looked at as, you know, you looked at the reputation of the people. Are they people that handle their money wisely in a way that can be respected and trusted? And then... He moves on from there, and he talks about there to be a people of spiritual maturity. Look look there in verses 9 and 10. First verse 9, he says, They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Too often, sadly to say, in our churches, uh, I've seen churches that, you know, they're two miles wide but about an inch deep. And although we need to strive for excellence and and we need to come, I mean, it should be an exciting time and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is God wants to deepen our hearts. He wants us not to be excited only while we're in a building together. He wants us not only to be excited as we walk out the doors. He wants us to learn to love and worship him at all times and, and to grapple with his spirit and his heart and, and to grow in what that means in, in, in trusting him. And as and you look for a deacon, look for somebody that's a person, you know, the book, a person that, that really wants to grow in their faith. I, I thought of uh, 1 Peter 3.15, you know, that says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have so that you're able to to share when the questions come. And then look at verse 10. It says, They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Now, obviously, this is, you know, not talking about some multiple-choice written test that they, you know, fill out. If they pass it, then... They can be deacons. But the office of deacon is to be taken seriously, not to be taken lightly. Not everybody should serve as a deacon. But the one who God's people have watched, and they can affirm and confirm that this is a godly man. This is a man who cares about God and cares about God's people and he's a man who's dependable. He's a man that can be trusted. Um, and, you know, that, that's why, at least here, somebody new comes in. Um, I mean, we wait at least a year in order to be able to get to know one another and, and to see before uh, the person may be perfectly qualified, serve as a deacon somewhere else. Um, it would be a valuable asset here at Kingsway. But there needs to be a time for us to get to know each other where that testing can occur where we can mingle and, and so that the body of Christ can see this person. And the idea here really of test is, is that uh, the test means that person stands up to that, that when you see this person over a period of time, as you see Thomas over a period of time, you get to know Thomas's heart. You get to know who he is. And... Uh, of course, as we came to a time to present him to the church, and the church said, yeah, we want Thomas to serve, as you guys affirmed and confirmed him as we had a vote in the church. and So here we are tonight, and as that test has been concluded. And Thomas said, yeah, I, I feel God's call in that direction, and I, that's what I want to do. I want to serve God there. And so we're grateful at this point that um, we're able to do that and to be together. I mean, it is Alan Redpath in his book "Passion for Preaching." Uh, he, he gives a little um, acrostic for watching our words. I, this is really good. I share this is not only good. This is good for all of us, whether we're deacon, pastor, or however God wants us to serve Him. Uh, the acrostic is "Think," and for T, is it true? Consider that. This is part of a careful walk with God. I mean, really try to find out how much stuff is passed around and we don't know if it's true or not. That's a big one. You don't want to pass around something that's not true. H for think. Is it helpful? You can do this, and you know, I remember a speaker saying a long time ago, you can be all right and all wrong. Is it it? Okay, you're right. You won. Whoopee. Now, how is that loving someone? How is that helping someone? To serve as a deacon, you know, we need to stop and we need to say, is it true? And then we need to say, is it really going to help the person? Third, uh, I is it inspiring. Does this bring people closer to Christ? Does it does it encourage them in the faith? Or is it just a damn? Uh, the heart of the deacon as he serves. You know, do you want to be the kind of person that when people see you come and they're excited to see you? Or do you want to be like, I think I've told this story, but I had a preacher friend of mine. Uh, he was so funny. But this was back when we were I was younger, and he was a young preacher. and He was telling me about this lady, and he said, Todd, she just drives me crazy. He said, the other day I saw her in the grocery store, and I was actually running to the next aisle. Because I was afraid she'd see me and I was ducking and looking around the corner making sure she didn't see me. Now, isn't that sad? Praise be to God. Lord, please don't let me be the kind of person where you guys are ducking and hiding from me because you're afraid to see me. I'd rather be... All right, Jerry. I'd, I'd rather... I'd <laughs> rather be inspiring. All right, and then, end. is it necessary? How many times... Uh, do we do things that just aren't necessary? We need to pray about that. And and as a leader, is it necessary? And the last one and think, K, is kind. Is it kind? Does it show kindness? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? This shows spiritual maturity. All right, and then one last one here. Um, third, there to be persons with a consistent... Home life. Look here at verse 11. In the same way their wives are to be women worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers. But temperate and trustworthy. In everything. There are three. Interpretations. Of. uh, This word here that's. Translated wives. Here in the NIV. Um, The word literally. Women. Uh. Also be translated deaconess uh, by some, and, and, and the three uh, the three interpretations. Number one are of a women deacons who serve alongside men, and then there are the deaconesses, who is a specific role where women typically serve other women in the church to minister to them. And then there's the interpretation that I guess traditionally we've held to here which is the wife of the deacon. And to be quite honest with you, I've always, well, I see everything kind of as a tag team approach. Man, I need my wife. She helps me. I need a lot of help. And, uh, you know, so in a very real sense, um, as we look at Thomas, we pray for Rachel too. Um, To to be that support and to be, you know, that worker alongside him. And what it's talking about here is, you know, that both that she would, you know, also have a spiritual heart, you know, spiritual maturity. That's what it's talking about here. Um, When it, it talks about her and describes her. And then in verse 12, it says, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. The picture here is that he's a one woman man, that he's dedicated to his wife. He, he's not gazing at other women and his loyalty's not split, but that he loves her and that he is faithful to her. And uh, one woman, man, that's the word and that's the picture. And, you know, we'll have to give some future time to this manage children thing. But, uh. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I heard from the grandparents. future, <laughs> uh, uh, And to manage a household well just says, you know, they're the same people at home they are at church. That what they're doing in the home is what they're doing at the church what they're sharing with their relatives and their friends and their loved ones or what they're doing at church. That's the picture here that's being shared. Now, one last verse here. Uh, verse 13. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So what's the blessing? Uh, number one, when you serve people and you love them, they love you. They grow to love you. That's simply what a good standing is. As you're with them for time, uh, there becomes a bond. As you walk together through the good times and as you walk together through the bad times, as you minister together, as you just go through the journey of life together, and as a deacon, as you just love those people, uh, you got a good standing because there's a bond that develops. And the second thing, it says an assurance, a great assurance. There's an assurance that happens when you're living for Christ. You look back and see where you were, and you see where he's taking you. And you go, that can't be an accident. God must be here, and he must be working in my heart and in my life. one last illustration. I don't know if you guys ever heard of a guy, this guy before. His name is John Eglin. <laughs> John Eglin was a deacon in London, England years ago. There was a really bad snowstorm. The preacher couldn't show up. John was the only deacon that made it. Somebody needed to preach. John had never preached before, but he thought, well... Looking around, I'm the deacon, I guess I'll preach. And then a young man came in, in a snowstorm from the snowstorm, and he sat down. John Eglin took out his Bible, he turned to verse in Isaiah, and the text said, look to the Lord and be saved. John Eglin wasn't, you know, he, he, all he kept really saying was, it's not what you do, it's not who you are. It's the Lord. So what you have to do is you have to look to the Lord and be saved. It's not where you've been. It's not where you're going. It's who you go with. It's to look to the Lord and be saved. Well, he, you know, he's going on for a while, and he keeps saying over and over again, look to the Lord and be saved. And then he points to that young man in the back, and he says, young man, if you want to be saved, you have to look to the Lord and be saved. And the young man came down and gave his heart to Christ. He was the only one that came down. Matter of fact, there was very few people that made out in that th- that snowstorm to be there. But the young man was a guy named Charles Spurgeon, who God used for years and years. And many of us preachers have, you know, like uh, Charles Wendall says, "All fair and love warm preaching." You know, <laughs> we've all found some of these old sermons, and we've gone through. Oh, that's a good stuff. I got, you know, I got to use that. And and God has worked mightily through that. So what do he do? He took deacon who hadn't preached, but who was faithful to love the Lord. In a place that didn't have many people. And touched a guy's heart who would touch many people's lives. And I guess the point of that is, it's not how big the job. It's are you willing to do the job. That's the heart of a deacon. And that's the heart of a servant. And uh, as we're here to celebrate with Thomas, I believe that is his heart as well. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to ask Thomas and Rachel to come up and stand with me. We're going to have an opportunity for those ordained uh, to come and to lay hands upon Thomas to encourage he and Rachel. And uh, so I'm going to ask Thomas to kneel, have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to invite the ordained up. Father, I thank you for Thomas, Lord, and for his beautiful wife, Rachel. We ask for your anointing, and for your blessing, for your your strength, God. I thank you for the heart that you've given this guy. And I, Father, I just pray, Lord, that we would be the people to him and to Rachel, because... Um, deacon is a job of serving but we need to be a people with a heart that that respect and love the servant. And so Father, I just pray for that, God. I pray that your blessings might be evident among us and we celebrate this night, this day, and we agree with you, Lord, that this man is who we need at the moment, Lord. Thank you for bringing him to be a part of the service of deacon, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to ask the ordained men to come.